Hey everybody, welcome to number 204YA. For this episode, we will be discussing the sections Local Woman for Keeping Score and The Last to Let Go by Amber Smith. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Never the Number 2 Old for YA. This podcast is streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Hey, Kels. Hey, Mel. There wasn't much that we had in this section to go off of, but I did have some interesting points. So do you want to start us off where we picked up last? So this section picked up where Callie comes home for the funeral. They let her out of the hospital for to go to the funeral. The whole family is having a hard time with it and confronting with their feelings about their dad being gone. Callie ends up not going to the funeral and she's not talking to anyone. She was talking at the hospital to like doctors and the staff and stuff. But like now that she's home with her family and Jackie, she's not talking to anyone again. So like they're having to deal with that. Like she doesn't want to go to the funeral, it seems like. So um, Ray, Jackie's husband, stays at home with her and Jackie, Aaron and Brooke go to the funeral. At first, they have like the viewing in the funeral home and Brooke is like really struck by how much like death there is in that building in general. I mean, not even like the literal death of the bodies, but like just the decor, like the wallpaper is like depressing and the curtains like block out all the sunlight. It's just very like dreary and dark and just uncomfortable. So they finally get to the last room in the hallway, which is the room where their dad is. And they're the first ones there, obviously, because they're like the immediate family. And Jackie goes in first, and then Aaron, and then Brooke. Like, and they're all in there at the same time, though. Um, Like, they don't take turns seeing him. And then Brooke and Aaron, like, are holding hands, like, when they go up to the casket to see their dad. And she says that she's never really thought much about, like, anybody's soul or anything, but she can tell that his is gone. Like, whatever made him him is not there anymore. Whatever made him human is no longer there. And she said that, like, it looked like he wasn't even human, like he wasn't even, like, skin and bone, like, like he was just something else. And I've heard that a lot, that people, people compare it, like, to wax figures a lot when they see someone, like, a, like at a funeral and the casket is open. Uh, I personally have never gone up to a casket, like, up close. I don't want to remember the person that way. And Brooke kind of struggles with that in this in that chapter too where she's like thinking about her dad and all the only thing that's coming to her mind is him in the casket she's not remembering him alive or anything oh and before the funeral sorry I'm jumping around it's just something that I remembered Callie takes this um this picture of the family like it's on the mantle and looks at it and then places it face down back on the mantle And Brooke goes and looks at it and realizes it's, like, even though she's the one who went through the pictures and put it there and everything, like, she's really looking at it for, like, the first time. And she realized that, like, it's a picture where she had just turned seven, Aaron was nine, Callie was, like, two, and it's all five of them, and they look so happy and, like, you know, just carefree and, like, you know, like a real family, she says. And she said that, you know, it's it's hard to remember that they actually were like that at one point, you know, before things got so bad. Uh, and I found that really interesting. 
And then also at the funeral um, or the viewing, I guess. So after Aaron and Jackie and Brooke have been in there for a little bit by themselves, other people start coming into the room, like a lot of um, their dad's police officers, like that he knew and stuff and the chief of police and his partner and Tony and other cops that he knew. Because, yeah, like like I had thought in the first sections that we read for last week's episode, I had thought that her dad was a cop and then it got confirmed in this part that we read. And then Carmen and her mom are there, you know, to support Aaron. And some of Callie's friends are there. And Brooke looks around and she realizes no one there is there for her. Like she's utterly alone. She doesn't have any friends, doesn't have like a boyfriend, doesn't have anybody there for her on her side. I mean, the other people who are there for like Aaron and Callie and stuff are, you know, there for her too, kind of, I guess. But like nobody directly there for her, like just for her. And I found that really sad and I felt really bad for Brooke in that moment. I don't know. I feel like we got way ahead of ourselves. Okay. So let me take it back to the beginning. So Callie's out of the hospital, still not saying anything. And I'm thinking to myself, it doesn't seem like she's sad about anything. She's just in a state of shock. And I don't really understand why they would let her out that early um even though she's not talking but i mean i guess but i want it huh sorry but i don't think it is really that early because they say that it's been like 10 days yeah but the girl's still not talking and they're saying like oh it's gonna take longer and it's like you guys were making it sound like she was gonna be in there forever when she could have just seen her siblings if she wasn't gonna talk to them anyways Mm -hmm. so that was really frustrating to me also the picture, the way Brooke was describing how she knew this family, but didn't know them at all. Like she could see from the outside looking in, like how happy this family is. And she just never felt that way it was so sad. It was. It was really sad. But then they had a dinner. Um, I don't believe Callie had gotten home yet, but they had a dinner. Her, Aaron, Ray, and... Jackie had a dinner at their house and well because you know Brooke's staying there and Brooke is just complete like she went from like shock to anger she did not have a denial phase whatsoever she just started getting angry and she was just sitting at the table and like when you grow up in a household where one of your parents are aggressive or abusive like like even verbally, like, you know, when like someone walks in and the the mood just shifts. Yeah. Like that. I felt that when she was saying how, like, she was so scared to even move, not scared, but she was like more aware of like, don't move, try to stay as quiet as possible. She's reminiscing the time Aaron told her to stay a little quieter because that's how her dad will like calm down a little bit. So she's at this table, not knowing what to do. And she's reverting back to her old ways, you know, mm-hmm. um, that she never had had a dinner like that. And that was like, oh, my God. So like that right there showed me there's so much more to this story that we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I want to say this, though. It's never too late to create your own family. 
And I know that it's sad that we sometimes have to do that. But I mean, Brooke is so angry right now at the like at everything. The fact that her dad's dead and like how you were saying she was at the funeral. She just felt alone, like no one was there for her, which is sad, which is sad because it's her own father's funeral. But also she's like conflicted. How do I feel about this man? This is my dad in the casket. And everyone's going to the funeral saying, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Like saying all these great things about him, like, oh, he loved his family so much. And she's conflicted with, am I sad that he's dead? Or am I angry and upset or hurt that people are coming in just knowing that these things are lies? Some people knowing what kind of person he was. I was thinking to myself, like, now that it was put in that perspective, would you really want to be at that funeral? Like, would you, because once someone's gone, it seems like all their bad stuff goes with them. Even though like once that person's gone, none of it leaves with them. It stays with the person that they harmed, that they hurt emotionally, you know, the, the trauma from that relationship. So could you imagine going into that funeral with all his cop buddies saying, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. But where were you? Tony, out of everyone, seemed like he was closest to the family. There's no way he didn't know what was going on. Where were you? You're here at the funeral now? I don't understand this. I just feel for Brooke so much because she's the middle child and she's kind of getting just pushed aside. She's kind of just getting shoved in this house with this with these two randos in a room she has never been in. She just met this woman. Her sister's nonverbal right now. Her brother, like she said in one of the chapters, gets to leave the house and live his life normally. What does Brooke have? She has nobody. She has nothing. Imagine how scary it is to this young teenage girl. And I was thinking to myself too, Kels, I really wanted to mention this is for some reason, as I'm reading this book, I'm picturing her so much smaller than she is, like shorter wise, age wise, because it seems like how the author placed like all the dialogue and how everyone's, you know, approaching her and things like that. It seems to me like she's Callie's age and no one's really taking her seriously and letting her know what's going on. Granted, that's her mother. And like, they don't want her to know too much because, you know, it could traumatize her as well. But I mean, she's asking questions. And how could you just blow her off and say, oh, no, don't worry about it. She's gonna worry about it. That's her mother. That's her family. And the fact that no one's understanding that she's split up from everybody. Yeah, she's not in the foster care system. But her brother's here, her, her sister's over there, her mom's over there, her dad's dead, her whole world fell apart. And no one's like looking at her and asking her if she's all right. Yeah. And then I feel like if she is having any denial, I think it's about her mom in that situation. Because she keeps asking, like, well, how long until she comes home? And then they're saying, well, she didn't, she got denied bail. Like, they're not, we can't bail her out. So she's not coming home for a while. And then they tell her that, like, she didn't take a plea deal. So she's going to have to go to trial. And she's like, well, how long is that going to take? How long till she comes home? And like, she's not grasping that she's probably going to go to jail for a long time. And I wanted to say something about that. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone. I highlighted a few sections. So we know that Callie's still not talking to anybody. Brooke is so 
worried about her mom. Also, she's like pushing the fact that she wants a visit with her. She wants to see her mother. And she's telling everybody this, like, when can we see her? Are we going to go see her? And everyone's basically like, we can't. That's out of the question. So Brooke's mom ends up calling her one night and her mom is just like, Brooke, I love you. Are you guys okay? Like just ramble like trying to get everything out in one breath because you know she doesn't know how much time she has on the phone okay so in this call two things stood out to me so this is Brooke talking she says stop talking like that everyone knows it was an accident okay and then her mom goes Brooke she whispers I don't even know that so she's unaware that there was an accident that occurred or she doesn't think that it was an accident. She knows it wasn't an accident. Like that right there is like, a okay, we're getting a little bit more. Something's coming out. And then a couple of sentences down, her mom goes, no, you don't. You don't understand. Don't understand what? I mean, Brooke is trying to give her mom all the benefit of the doubt. She's trying to make sure that her mom understands that she's there for her, that she loves her and that she knows it It has to have been an accident. Brooke is trying so hard to blame her dad, which he is to blame for most of it, you know, for most of their lives and the trauma that he caused. But she's basically trying to make up a story in her head of what she thinks happened when I think that it's going to blow her out of the water to find out what actually happened. Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, Interesting to see how everything plays out, what ended up being the actual situation that took place. Because right now there's like a few different ways it could have gone. The suspense is killing me, I'm telling you, because I don't know. This book is not at all the way I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be like like every last word. I thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, getting through life as a teenager it's basically a, a basic case of who done it, what's going on here. But then at the end of our reading, Callie and Jackie and Brooke are at the therapist that Callie goes and sees. And Brooke's been doing like the most. She's been attitude She's been angry. She's been rude to Jackie. And Jackie, like, is such a nice woman, but she's fed up with it. She's like, you're not going to treat me that way. I'm done. So they're sitting there and they're both in the waiting room and Brooke hears Callie talking and she's like, oh my God, she's talking, but she's only talking to the therapist. And like Brooke was like kind of offended. Like I'm her sister. Why isn't she saying anything to me? And Jackie's basically like, oh, you know, maybe it would be good if you saw him too. You know, that he's got a, an appointment right after that's open. And Brooke, as obnoxious as she's getting, she just says, Oh, it so happens that he has one. And she's just being so rude to Jackie. And I get that she's going through something, but that's what I'm saying. It's like they need to be sharing as much as they possibly can with her. I mean, not the gruesome details or anything, but just be honest with her and talk to her about it because it could be so much worse for her. Yes. And like I hear where Aaron calls her ungrateful and that she's in such a better um, situation. But I think that. She sees her mom and all the crap that she's been through, the crap that her dad's put them through. And a girl just wants her mom and she can't have that right now. And she's alone and she's scared and she's getting desperate. 
I don't really know if we're going to get that within the next four chapters of this section, but I don't know. Do you want to do some predictions? Or do you have anything else to add? Well, when it came to like Brooke going to the psychi- the psychologist, therapist, whatever, like that was her first time going with Jackie to Callie's appointment. And then all of a sudden now, like Jackie's like, well, maybe you should see him too. It's good to talk to someone especially somebody who's objective. And then I can, I can see why Brooke would be like, oh yeah, by coincidence, the first time, the first and only time that I come here, he's got an appointment open right after hers. Yeah, sure. That's a coincidence. I probably would have thought the same thing. Like she's making the argument, like, I don't need to see a doctor. I just need to see my mom, that a doctor is not going to help her. But yeah, like I can kind of see why she would think that it's like being forced on her to see someone. In terms of predictions, um, oh, crap. We didn't even talk about how the grandma showed up at the funeral. Oh, my gosh, you guys. The grandma showed up at the funeral. Go ahead, Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, so, like, all of a sudden at the funeral, this, like, older lady shows up. And nobody knows who she is at first. And then and she goes, like, right up to the casket and, like, you know, is looking at their dad, you know, laying there. And she's saying, oh, that he never knew me. Or no, that I think she's, she's it, it kind of confused me a little bit because she's looking at in the casket, but I think she's addressing, like, Brooke and Aaron. And she says, like, oh, you never knew me. She never wanted you to know me. And basically it ends up that it was actually their mom's mom who they had like never met before and she was saying you know that like she knew that this was going to happen at some point you know one of them was going to end up dead and she's saying that her daughter was like a dog with him always coming back you know no matter what like you know always forgiving him like always giving him another chance another chance another chance until finally this happened she's resentful of that and resentful of being kept from her daughter and her grandkids It seemed like it wasn't even the dad keeping her away, as I would have expected. It was more their mom not wanting her in their lives. And the grandma says, like, oh, everybody wanted to make me out as the bad guy just because I didn't want them together, you know, and I saw him for who he was and stuff like that. And Brooke is, like, kind of starting to panic because she's talking about, like, all the bad parts of her dad and and her parents' relationship and stuff. The stuff that they never talk about, that they've always kept a secret, that nobody, that she says nobody there knows about. Like, and she's just there unraveling everything in front of everybody. And finally, Jackie comes up to her and she's like, I think you need to leave. Like, it's best if you leave. I, you know, we don't want you here. That's enough. And then Aaron comes up and says, I think you need to leave. And then finally, you know, she leaves. But before she leaves, She hands Brooke this slip of paper with her name and her phone number on it. And it says, just in case. And Brooke immediately is like, okay, just in case of what? Like, what could possibly get worse in this situation? And Brooke wants to talk to her, wants wants her to tell her all the things she knows and, like, you know, her side of the story. Well, yeah, I don't blame her because she's the only one willing to talk to her about stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she's the only one that's giving her the opportunity to ask questions and sometimes get them answered. Like, 
no one else is giving her this right. And I think that it's going to be sooner rather than later that she reaches out to her. Um, But one of three things. First, who goes to someone's funeral, right? And goes, I told you so. I knew it. Second, what does Jackie know that made her feel like she had the right to throw their grandmother out of the funeral? And third, what was going on? Because that threw a whole wrench into this chaotic event. Like, how did she even know this? Who got a hold of her? How did she know when the funeral was? How did she know that those were even the kids? Well, it was probably, um, like, announced in the newspaper and the obituary and stuff. Like, that's probably how she found out about it. Do people still do that? But again, this is the problem. And I don't think you, I don't know if you noticed this as well. Like we were talking last week, we still don't know where we are. We still don't know the, the timeline. We got video games and we got electronic Scrabble. Okay. Like, so Brooke has a cell phone, but what kind of cell phone? Is it a flip phone? Is it an Android, an iPhone? I don't know. Obviously it's hot as hell because Brooke is throwing the sheets off of her while she's sleeping because it's too damn hot. Where are we? What year? I need to know. And we still haven't gotten that. And that is the true mystery of this book. (laughs) I don't think I have any predictions for next week either because I really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think I have any predictions. I was about to get my predictions and then I remembered the thing about the grandma going to the funeral. But yeah, I don't think there really are any predictions. Well, based on, like, the name of the next chapter, I think Brooke finally gets to go see her mom. But beyond that, I don't really know. So, Kelsey, what are we reading for next week? For our next episode, we'll be discussing the sections The Visit Through Ceasefire. And this will take us through the rest of the summer section. And then after that, we'll begin the fall part of the year. I'm excited for the next section. Actually, I'm excited for fall. but. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening to this week's episode of Never Too Old for YA. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Never the Number Two Old for YA. This podcast is streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Until next time, bye.